Welcome to Mastering Your Money, where your personal and business finances meet your independence plan. I'm your host, Ed Fulbright, CPA PFS. We've received an email from a gentleman named Jason in Emporia, Virginia. Jason is 25 years old, making $30,000 a year, and he's received $20,000 in hair. He started investing, but cannot wait to become financially independent. He's becoming impatient and feeling that the stock market and real estate are not growing fast enough for him. And I, I tell Jason, to just hold on tight with your invest. If you get a 10% annual return and contribute an additional 10% of your salary each month, which is roughly $250, you will have over a million dollars in roughly 30 years. Now, I know 30 years may be a long time, but it goes very, very fast. Joining us for our discussion on finding financial freedom with Paul Merriman, he's calling in from his Seattle, Washington office. And Paul is a nationally recognized authority on mutual funds, index investing, asset allocation, and both buy and hold and active management strategy. Now retired from Merriman, the Seattle-based investment advisory firm he founded in 1983. He is dedicated to educating investors, young and old, through weekly articles at marketwatch.com and via his complimentary e-books, podcasts, articles, recommendations for mutual funds, ETFs, 401k plans, and more at paulmerriman.com. He has released his new book, We're Talking Millions, 12 Ways to Supercharge Your Retirement, which you can get actually for free at paulmerriman.com slash backslash sign up backslash. Welcome back to Mastering Your Money, Paul Merriman. Ed, it is so great to be here. I do have to make one correction. What a wonderful introduction. Yes. When I was a working stiff, I yes. was in Seattle. I would yes. take the the ferry in and I would walk up the hill. <laughs> now I'm on Bainbridge Island. All and right. I don't leave unless I absolutely have to. Well, and I, God I'm bless just... Zoom. <laughs> well, I understand it is a beautiful island. A lot of nice things are going on up there. You know, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you making time for us out of your busy schedule because even though you're retired, you still are doing a lot of work. Well, uh, yes, and and this is such a wonderful opportunity to talk with your listeners about what I truly believe are life-changing decisions. So thank you, Ed, and, and thanks to the listeners. Well, great. Now, Paul, your new book is entitled, We're Talking Millions, 12 Ways to Supercharge Your Retirement. Why are you giving it away at paulmerriman.com backslash sign up? <laughs> well, at paulmerriman.com backslash sign up, we give it away. I look, Ed, I'm 77 yeah. years old. And when you get here, you'll understand that after having, having a successful career, that it's possible to work for nothing. In fact, yes. I suspect you do a lot of work for nothing, which I think is a is a great way to educate people. But I am devoted. When I when I retired in 2012, I promised my wife I will never work for money again, and I have not earned a penny 
from this foundation. But I will tell you that we are showing people how to make more money for their retirement. And the best way I know to have that book get into the hands of every young person we can find is put it in a PDF format. So you can send them the book. And if they like, they can then resend it to relatives, to friends, to uh, all sorts of people who could use this because this really is about changing people's financial future. That's really critical because there are a few steps that people have to take in order to start to change their life. So one of the things that I'd like to just ask you is that why is saving so important than spending? Because people say they get all the fun out of spending. Well, that's exactly what Amazon likes to hear. (laughs) I mean, that is music to their ears. And that is exactly the problem. The problem is that there are industries that are built to do nothing more than strip every penny you make out of your bank account. And then what do they do? They try to make you take some credit on and borrow some money because you really need to enjoy this money today. I want to tell you, there are millions and millions of people who have, in fact, made their retirement, set up their retirement because They didn't do that. They didn't spend all their money. But it wasn't because they wouldn't have liked to. It was because the company they worked for took money, in essence, out of their paycheck. You never saw it. It never got into the hand of the worker. It went right into a pension fund that accumulated and accumulated the same way that we want young people to do on behalf of themselves. Then they got to retirement, never having felt like they actually sacrificed anything because it was never actually theirs, even though it was actually theirs. So we need today, because those pensions are no longer available, we need today to make sure young people understand they are building the pension plan because nobody else is going to do it for you. My goal is to show you how. And so by you taking it out first or you're doing different things with it, you're instead of it hitting your account, because most people spend exactly what is in their account. So if it goes somewhere else first, then they are able to avoid that nasty habit of spending it. So yeah. you go well, say something, Paul? I do. I do. I want to say something that Warren Buffett says, and I yes. think it's one of his best quotes. Don't save what's left over after spending. Yes. Spend what's left over after saving. saving. Yes. And then... And then, okay, let them strip you of the other 90%. Let them convince you to do things to enjoy the moment with that other 90%. But get that first 10% into your pocket so they keep that their hand out of your pocket. That is, you've got to keep their hands out of your pocket. And that's the way you do it. And that makes sense, that you say first and then you spend the rest. Then all of that works out pretty well uh, so that you can avoid these problems of not having enough money or not being able to live the lifestyle that you would love to live and move forward. So let's talk about the power 
because I noticed you said young people. So if they start investing early versus later, let's discuss the power of starting young. It's overwhelming, Ed, and it's yes. in a way it's almost unbelievable. Now let me let me take it let me be radical here for a second. Sure. I want to talk about putting away a dollar a day for a newborn baby. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. If you did that, you got them started and then they continued it on, let's say after they were twenty one. A dollar a day from the day you're born to age 70, and by golly, anybody being born today is likely going to have to work until they're 70. As a matter of fact, according to the experts, over half of the kids born today are going to live to be over 100. Oh, wow. So that's what's coming. Here's what it would be worth. At age 70, $2.9 million on a dollar a day at 10%, the return of the S&P 500. Okay, okay, you don't have the dollar a day right now. You wait until the child is 10. So you've missed 10 years of $365, $3,650, and instead of having $2.9 million, you have $1.1 million. Wow. Oh, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Why why invest for a young person like that? Let's wait until they're 20. Well, instead of a 2.9 million, it's 425,000. It's still not chicken feed. Yes. But it is huge the impact of compounding. And if you think this doesn't work for people who are in their 20s, all you have to do is move a $1,000 IRA invest it the first day of the year rather than the end of the year. And believe it or not, that will likely give you almost a half a million dollars more over your lifetime because you moved it up 12 months. Oh, wow. That's a pretty big change in um, money. That could be, but that's when they start at 21 and move forward. Um, for them saving $1,000 at the beginning of the year versus at the end of the year. But but to be fair, I mean, what, what we've been taught, the, the two of us have been taught, the best time yes. to have planted a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. And so whatever your age is, I'm 77. Yes. Yes. I'm still working hard. Now, when I say working hard, I'm investing with the idea that the value of my estate will be greater when I die. I haven't given up making smart decisions because I'm trying to leave money to children and charities. Yes. And so I, I'm trying to be as smart today as I was 30, 40 years ago. Okay. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so you're trying to be smart. You're making smart decisions you're making sure your money is continuing to grow, although you may be pulling off of it. Um, you still have more money than you had at the beginning of the year than you do at the end. Uh, some years. Some years. Well, that's true. Some years that's true. I don't, Ed. That's true. That's true. Because you might have been had a real question in 2020, especially if you were in February of 2020. You might have been asking some real questions 
Well, maybe I should be in a money market or something. But oh, <laughs> you're talking like a market timer, Ed. Careful, careful. Well, well, you're starting to rub off on me now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but but I think you've been converted. So, oh anyway, yeah. But anyway, when you go through the rough times, you start to question your exposure to the market. But I've yet to see that there isn't a rebound. Uh, I never expected to be quite as rebounding, but I came to the realization that our government had enough foresight to put a lot of money into the economy and make things work. So the stock market rebounded quicker than it would have on its own. You know something, Ed, I, I, I have given up trying to explain these things. And and I think it's important because a lot of people, they get into the trap of feeling like what they can figure out is the reason the market does what it does. I got you. And you become, in essence, a, a, a potential market timer right. with that kind of a process. I have believed for a very long time There is a list of reasons the market should go up and a list of reasons the market should go down at every moment. And that what will drive the market in the future is not what we know, but is the unknown. And if that is in fact the case, then we have to say, okay, we got to deal with the unknown. What do we know about the past that should give us a sense of security, putting our money at risk in large part in the stock market if we're young? What is there that should lead me to conclude it's okay, even though it does go down? Well, let me tell you. Paul, for the first half, for those who've just joined us, the the name of the program is Mastering Your Money. I'm Ed Fulbright, CPA, PFS. We've been discussing... Finding Financial Freedom with Paul Merriman. He's the author of We're Talking Millions, 12 Ways to Supercharge Your Retirement. And you can get the book at paulmerriman.com backslash sign up. Do you have questions on your finances? You may email them to info at masteringyourmoney.com. For more information about Mastering Your Money shows, visit MasteringYourMoney.com for business and personal finance ideas. Sign up for our free e-newsletter and check out our Mastering Your Money online section for old shows. We'll be back in a few to teach you more lessons on strengthening your independence plan. Welcome back to Mastering Your Money. I'm Ed Fulbright, CPA PFS. We've been discussing finding financial freedom with Paul Behrman, author of We're Talking Millions, 12 Ways to Supercharge Your Retirement. And you can actually get the book, excuse me, the book in PDF form for free at paulmerriman.com backslash sign up. And you can go, you have to give up your email address and your name, but you're getting a free, wonderful book. I've read the book. Uh, I think there's tons of information in there that could change your life or at least help you to have a better life. Because as Paul, you can help me out here. If you have more money than you need, you can have a much better life if you can decide, you can give to charity, you can help your 
siblings out or you can help out maybe a young person that you create a matching fund that can help them make a difference in their life and to get ahead in life. Because I think that's where people have the most problem is that they start off with a small amount of money. It eventually becomes a big amount of money, but it's that in-between time that creates that great challenge. Would you agree or disagree, Paul? You know, it does, but let me talk about the challenge of the early years. Yes. There is a hero in the early years. It is not the stock market. If you put $1,000 in and the market goes up 10%, you now have $1,100. But the $1,000 was what you put in. The market didn't make the 1000 you did. And in those early years, it doesn't feel like you're getting there. It feels like I've got to do something like you mentioned early in the show. This young fellow wants to make it faster. Well, people who want to make it faster more than likely end up coming out behind. And yes, people win lotteries. That's great. But I do think that young people need to understand they are the heroes in the early years. And yes, in the middle years, what starts happening is you're making more money on your investments than you're putting in. Yes. Boy, that feels good. (laughs) But you also start to mistrust the future. I started to say before we went to the break that if you look at the worst periods of the S&P 500, the worst 40-year return since 1928 is 8.9% compound rate of return. The best was 12.5%. The average was 11%. So, When you hold it for the long term, there is no evidence that you're making a mistake. And by the way, that 8.9% was not a bad return because it was a period of low inflation. Yes. And with that not being inflation, your money grows, is growing pretty well because usually inflation somewhere around 2%. I think they said for the last 10 years, it's been about one and a half, is that right? Yeah, but over the last 90 plus, it's been three. Okay. So I would use three for my planning. I got you. Well, that makes it uh, good. And that probably has the high periods of the 80s uh, that creates yep. the challenge. Because uh, that's, that's when you could get 11%, uh, probably in a money market fr- fund. I got, Uh, (laughs) Ed, I got 16% a year for five years, a CD through the Bank of Chicago. Yep. 16%. Yep. And that's that's an amazing time because I I remember I got, I think it was probably about the same same rate. I couldn't get five years, but I got two, I got good, good two years. When I was like 20 years old, so I thought it was great. And and by the way, Bernie Madoff couldn't make a living then because (laughs) nobody was happy with 12. (laughs) Yeah, I know. A colleague of mine told me he lost a client to Bernie Madoff Uh, because he he couldn't guarantee him 
12 or 15 percent and uh it uh they ended up losing the money i guess they may have got it a bulk of it back oh oh good you know well here's what people need to understand and it's in the book ed an extra half of one percent return will over the lifetime of an average investor make an additional one to one and a half million dollars a half a percent and where can you find a half a percent well you can find a half a percent by having 10 percent more equities in your portfolio yes. you can find half a percent by buying mutual funds that have lower expenses there are a whole you can Add a half a percent by buying a no-load fund instead of a load fund. There are so many ways to find that extra half of 1%. Okay. And that makes sense. In fact, you could add more small caps to a person's portfolio. Absolutely. Absolutely. Over the last 90-plus years, The small cap index has compounded at about 2% more per year than the S&P 500. So I don't mean you shouldn't have the S&P 500. I mean, it's a a great investment long term. But I want to have some small cap in your portfolio. And And we make that very clear in the book. You don't need to. Remember, these are 12 different ways to make a million. You can take a pass on some of them if you're not comfortable, but I'd like you to be serious about all 12. I got you. And that makes sense. So let's talk a little bit more about using small caps in a person's portfolio, because I think that people may be missing out on, on an opportunity course Small caps have just gone through, uh, well, probably a year ago of the 20s where they weren't performing as good as the S&P 500, but they're now uh, probably leading the pack. So Yeah, yeah. And, and even better yet is small cap value. Yes. Uh, here's the reality, and this is why I want people to understand the history of investing, and I don't want it to be boring because it represents the same excitement you're going to go through with a real portfolio. There are long periods of time where bonds do better than the S&P 500. In fact, from 2000 to 2020, a long-term government bond made a better rate of return than the S&P 500. What's that about? And there are long periods of time when small cap do worse than large cap. And by the way, there's no magic to the extra returns of small companies. They're more risky. And the academics make the case that that additional return is the premium for taking more risk. And, and, And let's just talk about how big a small cap company is. They're typically about $2 billion, $3 billion dollars in value versus the large cap are a hundred billion dollars and more. So there's much less risk in a company that is very, very large, but there's also a lower long-term return expectation. Paul, can you share with us fairly quickly 
What is the best advice you've ever received? Well, I, I can tell you what my mother taught me. <laughs> okay. Well, and I think it was maybe she was she was an amazing a nurse, an amazing woman. She said, "Be nice to everyone you meet." Yes. And that was those words still ring in my head today. And a fellow I worked next to, a guy named Charlie Belarjan, when I went into the brokerage business for a couple of years back in the 60s, he told me, if you want to be a success, don't forget what you're good at. Because a lot of us, we want to be something more maybe than we really are. And what I was at the deepest level, I was a teacher. Yes, I taught people how to invest on their own when I built my investment advisory firm. And if you didn't want to do it on your own, I was happy to do it for you. And then when I retired, I just kept on teaching, except now all of my students have got to be do-it-yourselfers or figuring out how to get a better deal with their present advisor, (laughs) either one. But, But the bottom line is I am... 100% teacher, 100% of the time, and I love it. Yes, I know. My listeners can tell, listen to your voice, how much enjoyment our conversation has been. And we can, and I can, I can testify in front of your mother that that was a great thing because when I first met you, you were very generous, and I, I didn't know you from, from Adam, but uh, we fast became friends. So Yep, I do remember that, Ed. I do remember. <laughs> and, you know, we just never know what, what twists and turns life's going to bring, and here we are together, and we've been together for a long time as yeah, friends. For, in closing, what do you want our listeners to remember? What I want them to remember is that their investing has never been simpler. Never. Lower expenses, lower taxes, more diversification, all the things that are in your best interest. But there have never been more ways for people who want to make money off of you doing it their way. And they make it difficult for you to stay the course. I want you to learn the basics so you don't need all of those sales pitches. I want you to take control and keep control for the rest of your life. And I think that will mean having way more money than if you depend on Wall Street. It's the best promise I could possibly make. Wonderful. I'd like to thank Paul Merriman for his time and information. And for more information on Paul Merriman, author of We're Talking Millions, 12 Ways to Supercharge Your Retirement. And you can actually get, excuse me, the book, in PDF form for free at paulmerriman.com backslash sign up your email address. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, And we do not sell email address. For our listeners, I encourage everyone to get involved in determining whether or not they will have a choice of working or not. If you don't care about your life in retirement, no one else will. Don't let, don't just hope to retire to 40% less income. Make sure you can stop working without worrying about the price of gas. You can afford to visit your children and grandkids. And if you're not saving 10% or more of your income, please take the following steps. Go to the mirror, hold a meeting with yourself. Decide to take a 3% pay cut and contribute to your company's 401k plan. Take your raise, give half of it to your 401k. 
increase your exposure to stock to at least 60% of your 401k, split it between large and small cap, value and blend, U.S. and international. Use fixed income to stabilize your retirement account. Remember, your money and your life are terrible things to waste. Life is too short to not live it being happy. I would like to thank Willie Jolly for our theme music. Mastering Your Money is recorded in the studio of WNCU, licensed to North Carolina Central University in Durham, North Carolina. You're hearing this valuable information on a listener-supported radio station. Please support this station with your charitable giving. Thank you in advance for sharing your treasure. This is Ed Fulbright, CPA, PFS, signing off until our next exciting show to help you turbocharge your drive on the Financial Freedom Highway. Thank you for tuning in, and join us next time.